everyone and welcome back to the Football Chuggy podcast. My name is Thomas Turning and today I'm joined by my co-host Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well uh, and a Merry Christmas everyone. Uh, yeah. on, today's, on today's podcast uh, we'll be reacting to last weekend's English Premier League and Scottish Premier League results and we will discuss the best moments uh, of 2023. And at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. <clears throat> so uh, we'll start off with talking about the uh, English Premier League results, so I'll just cut the go through them. So on Friday the 22nd of December, it was Aston Villa 1, Sheffield United 1. On Saturday the 23rd of December, the matches were West Ham United 2, Man United 0. Luton Town 1, Newcastle United 0. Nottingham Forest 2, AFC Bournemouth 3, Tottenham 2, Everton 1, Fulham 0, Burnley 2, Liverpool 1, Arsenal 1. And then uh, we had on the Sunday, the 24th of December, we had Wolves 2, Chelsea 1. So, Pierce, uh, from the list of results that I've just said to you, which match stands out to you the most? Um, I think for me it's got to be... West Ham United 2, Manchester United 0. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's another roller, another journey in this roller coaster that has been Manchester United this season under Eric Ten Hag. It's just up and down um, constantly. One week we'll get a positive result, the next week they're getting humbled, and then then they'll, they'll, they'll somehow get a win to save his, save his uh, neck. But um, no, I thought they were very sloppy. Um, didn't create a lot of chances, and um, you know, a David Moyes side, it's going to be sitting in, staying in the game and looking to hit the counter-attack and you've got dangerous players like Mohamed Kudus, Jared Bowen and then obviously you've got the mastermind in terms of set-pieces as in James Ward-Prowse, his deliveries are in, exceptional um, and obviously West Ham are a big team so they're going to cause problems in terms of counter-attack and the set-pieces and that's exactly what they did and Man United played into their hands although they had all possession but they didn't do anything with it and they were sloppy at times and they were punished and um, not another fantastic result because uh, David Moyes again just proving that he is a solid manager and I think West Ham were doing pretty decent at the start of the season and uh, another notch in the belt in terms of Eric Ten Hag and uh, maybe edging closer to the exit though um, but no I thought it was, that was the, the standard fixture for me. Yeah, uh, well, uh, <clears throat> that, that is one of my my standout results is not my standout, but obviously just following on from that. Uh, so at the time of recording this, Man United also played Aston Villa and they won 3-2 just after they were... Uh, that was the match they played after they defeated West Ham United. So, um, uh, yeah, but in terms of the West Ham United, Man United result, obviously 2-0 West Ham, you know, as you said, it's just consistency with Man United. It's like one good result, two bad results, one good result. And, you know, it's just, there's just nothing there. To suggest that there's a team that's a team improving. Um so uh to be fair, although it was um my United did get beat, I wasn't really surprised at that result to be honest. Um because I, I just think that's where my United are at the moment. Uh, in terms of, you know, their ability and stuff. I just think that, you know, they're not a team that can consistently win games but back to back. So I wasn't I wasn't really surprised at that result. Um but my standout result um, is the AFC Bournemouth 
three, Nottingham Forest two match. Number one, it was a really good match. I heard it was a really good match end to end. But uh, I've got to mention Bournemouth. Uh, I think I've, you know, we, we have to, we have discussed it on the podcast, but uh, they also won after that match. They also played Fulham and they won 3 0, uh, which was yesterday at the time recording this. So they just keep winning the games. They just keep winning one after one. And Iraola is just, you know, he, he's got the time. And look at look at the results now that they're getting. It's just it's what I run on, and the football they're playing is is magnificent to watch. Um, you know, Dominic Solanke's buying in goals for them. I think that's twelve goals he's got this season, which is you know really really good. You know, you want your striker scoring, um, and it's just it's just what a job he's doing. Uh, you know, it's it's a really good job he's doing. Um, and uh, yeah, that's my that's my standout result. Um, from uh, the English Premier League. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll discuss the um, Scottish Premier League results now. So, I'll just quickly go through them. So, uh, we had uh, on Saturday, 24 December, we had Celtic 2, Livingston 0, Hearts 2, St Mirren 0, Kilmarnock 2, St Johnston 1. And then on Sunday, the 24th of December, we had Murrowell 0, Rangers 2. Uh, and yet, so they were results, they were the matches that were played last weekend. So, is there a match there, Pierce, that stands out to you? Um, I'd probably go with the parts to submit a 0. Um, yeah. I think, obviously, at the start of the season, I think Stephen Nisra was under a bit of pressure in terms of his job security. Um, but I think he's turned it around, and he's if it's no doubt, no coincidence that he's got the results, um, with the rejuvenation of Lauren Shankland. I think in recent in recent weeks, in recent the last couple of months, anyway, he's been he's been scintillating form. Um, and I don't know if you've seen his second goal for the game at the weekend. Um, yeah, brilliant. It's, yeah, that's it's outstanding technique. Literally takes the ball fired into him. It bounces up in the half volley. It, it doesn't even move. It just swivels. Left foot. Pinpoint yeah. corners. One of the best goals you'll see this season in the, in the Scottish Premiership. And that is why, for me, he's not just pivotal for Hearts, but he's also pivotal for Scotland. I think someone like him in and around the squad that is just a natural finisher. Um, and obviously, get a big game caught as well with Hearts as well in Edinburgh Derby on Wednesday night. So... um. So it's going to be an, it's going to be an interesting tale there, but um, no, I think he's been brilliant, and I think Hearts have been brilliant, and obviously, St Mirren don't lose too many games, so it's a it's a great result in terms of that because they're a stuffy side, uh, St Mirren, and they're always a threat in the counter. And they actually play really good football as well, um, and they cause a lot of teams a lot of problems. So and I think it was a brilliant result. Yeah, no, that's my standout <clears throat> result from the weekend, but I just think basically it's due to Lawrence Shankland, and then. You know, he's he's by far their most important player for Hearts. I mean, I have no idea where they would be if Lauren Shankland wasn't in that team. And that was my question to you. I was going to ask you about Lauren Shankland. Do you think that Hearts will keep him in January? And uh, if they do sell him, what, how much do you think they should sell him for? Because there is interest in him. I mean, there is interest in him and he's doing really well at the moment. Yeah, well, he is a captain now. Um, obviously, Craig Gordon was a captain before, so he's a standing captain. But 
for me, like you say, like if you take his goal out of that Hearts team, I think they're fluttering above relegation. Um, I think that's how important yeah. he is. Um, and obviously they struggled towards the end of Robbie Nielsen's tenure. Um, in terms of like, because they were comfortable third when they came out in the first time around, and obviously he was a key to that. And then obviously Liam Boyce and a few other pleasant, uh, Janelli, Barry McKay, Alan Forrest. But I don't know what it is. The attacking players up front for Hearts haven't been contributing goals, so it's literally relying on one man. It's kind of reminiscent of um, Celtic under Ronnie Dyla, where Lee Griffiths get 40 goals in a season, where you're relying on one player, but there's not any goals spread out all over the park. But in terms of your question with Lawrence Shankland, I, I do feel as if he will be on the move. I would like to see him stay, but in terms of the valuation, I think you're talking at least about £5 million for Lawrence Shankland. Because he's at the prime of his career. Um, he's scoring goals left, right, and centre, and natural goal scores are hard to find. And I think Hearts are in a financial situation where they don't need to sell. And you wouldn't sell someone that is your captain and your star player on the cheap. And in January, it's always a difficult market to replace a player. So, and I don't think you could replace Lawrence Shankland for that type of money. And I think you look at you look in Glasgow, I think someone like Rangers would benefit from someone like Lawrence Shankland's team is down. In England and the top end of the English Championship, um, I think he's he is that 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 crucial in terms of he just knows where the back of the net is, and that's for me that's one of the most difficult tasks in football. And <clears throat> in terms of Rangers, uh, for example, they've got Cyril Dessers and he's not prolific. Um, and Daniel always had these injury problems, and Kamal Roof, again injury problems, so they've not really got a reliable number nine, so they're relying on their goals from all over the park. Um, so I think he'd be brilliant for them, and then, like you said, he for me could be on the move. Yeah, I mean, it was just it's a discussion that's quite topical at the moment. I think a lot of people are talking about it about Lawrence Shankland and where his future lies. Um, I actually I don't think he will. I think he will leave, but I don't think it'll be in January. I think it'll be next summer. I think. I think it's. I think if I was advising him. I would want I'd want to stay because like you've got Euros coming up next summer. You know, you want to keep in as much form as you can, you know, and for Hearts, I mean he's a star player and he's he's never going to get dropped to any well, unless he had a sudden drop of form, but like that that's never going to happen. And he needs to keep playing and needs to keep scoring. And then he goes into next year's Euros, um, you know, and and, and brilliant confidence and you know, uh, you know, and he'll he'll go into that in a really good kind of state of mind. So uh, I don't think it will go in January. I don't think Hearts will sell him in January, and I don't think he'll want to leave in January. <clears throat> so I think it's next summer that I definitely think it will happen. I think you mentioned five million there. If I, I, I mean, if I'm Hearts, I'm probably looking at potentially double that between eight to ten million mark because yes. of how crucial he is. You know, he's a captain. You know, he's quite a good age. He's in his mid twenties. You know, uh. He's a striker as well, and then if you want a striker, the price suddenly goes up, uh, because of the fact that they can win your games alone, and the fact that he's the captain. I just think Hearts will be. I think if he does leave Hearts, I think it will be Hearts' biggest transfer fee. I really do. I just think you know he's 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 just that important to them. Even more than Kringle. Um, what was it to Sunderland? Was it seven million back in the day? I think it was actually nine million to be fair with Craig mm. Gordon. So actually, it could be between that, similar to that. It may be even a bit higher, maybe lower. You don't know, but I definitely think 
Hearts will get a lot of money for him when they do because I think I don't think he will stay at Hearts. That he'll he will end up leaving. I'm sorry to Hearts fans if, 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 if there's any watching this, but you know I just can't see him staying because I just think you want to keep kind of progressing and um uh yeah I think for Hearts I think they will get a really good fee for him, um you know and uh yeah so very interesting it's quite a, it's quite an interesting discussion. And uh, you never know, maybe in January when we're talking about Lon Shanklin going on the move. Uh, you just don't know. So we'll kind of keep our eyes out for that. Um, so in terms of previewing, so we'll preview uh, the Saturday uh, Celtic versus Rangers match. So that's probably, you know, I think we're looking at quite a really, really interesting match. You know, uh, there's only two points between the sides at the moment. Uh, the matches at Celtic Park. Um what do you think, Pierce? How do you think that's going to go? What are you expecting? So I'm expecting uh, an, a thrilling encounter, to be honest. Um, I think both sides are in a decent vein of form. I think um, Celtic will be reliant on if Carter Vickers is fit, because uh, he pulled up an injury last night uh, in the Dundee game where he felt, he felt tight in his hamstring. He didn't pull his hamstring, but for me, Having someone like Carter Vickers fit in that defence will give Celtic confidence and it will also make Rangers a bit more fearful of their defence. Whereas I think if you see someone like, no, no disrespect, but someone like a Stephen Welsh and Liam Scales together, you feel we can target them. We we can we can uh, beat them in behind, beat them in the air. Because they're not the quickest and they're not the tallest. So... And they've not really played much together. Like Stephen Welsh has only played a couple of games since being back for injury. So for me, he, he's important as someone like a corner goal centre back for Rangers. So I think for me, that's like the key the key areas like just your, your defence and your attack. And I think the fact is Kyogo hasn't been on fire in recent times. I think he only scored the other night against Livingston last weekend. And it was his first goal in seven games, which is Unlike him, but who knows? He could he could come come the weekend against Rangers and bag a hat trick. You never know. But um, with obviously Celtic having home advantage, um, I would I would make them slight favourite. <laughs> but the form that Rangers have been on has been um, nothing short of sensational in terms of both Europe and domestic. So I think it's going to be set up for a, a thrilling encounter, uh, and I think it could go either way. But I'm, if I'm going to make a prediction, stick my neck on the line, I would say Celtic a narrow win. Uh, I would say probably a two one. I think um I don't think either side will get a clean sheet. I think it'll be an end to end game and I think it will be the spectacle of Scottish football and how how important this game is in terms of the calendar. I think this is gonna be an exciting game. Yeah, it's always an exciting game. Um <clears throat> you know, uh, especially this time because of, you know, how much is how much is at stake. You know, the, the points gap is really, really short. Um, you know, uh, you know, Celtic have been in a sticky, sticky patch of form. Rangers have been really good form, and Rangers have clawed back that kind of gap that there was a few weeks ago. So it's it's a very interesting match. Um, in terms of what I think about it, you know, it's hard to call because Celtic, the fact that they're at Celtic Park, you know, that gives Celtic a, a you know, a bigger advantage. Also, there's going to be no Rangers fans there, so. Yeah, again, Celtic will have the advantage of the fact that they've got the hometown behind them. You know, the Green Brigade, 
are back as well. So that gives that atmosphere to Celtic Park, you know, a bit more. There's there'll be a bit more atmosphere. Um, but I think for Rangers this will be the biggest test for Plumont because I think Rangers the Rangers players have been accused of their mentality the last kind of couple of years. Um, you know, they, 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 they you know, they go to Celtic Park and they just kinda they get pulled aside and, you know, they you know, they get beat quite heavily and it'd be interesting to see how how they come into this match mentally. Um, if Clement's because he definitely has improved them. You know, there's no doubt about that. They've definitely improved. He's done a really, really good job at Rangers so far. But I think this will be his biggest test. Um, and I think if Rangers were to get a positive result in terms of a victory, I actually think that would make Rangers favourites to win the title. Um, you know, the fact that they were to go away to Celtic Park and win. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. You know, Celtic as well. You know, they've kind of got a few injuries. Carter Vickers is a slight doubt for the game, which is, you know, a big worry for Celtic because he's Celtic's, arguably Celtic's best centre-back. Um, you know, so it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm going to sit in the fence here. I, I just can't see anything else but a draw. Okay, I don't know why. I just, I, I thought about it so much and I, just, I can't split the teams. I just can't split the teams. I've scored um, or I know no. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that... God, that we'd have a lot of talk about ended up now now. Anyway, I hope it doesn't. But uh, um, what I would say, but right, is I would say if if it was at Ibrox, I would actually make Rangers favourites. I just think, you know, I just think with Celtic at the moment, it's like it does that they, they seem to kind of they're struggling with consistency. You know, they're not really getting, they've not really went on the run of results in terms of picking up win after win after win. Uh, you know, um, and yeah, there the just doesn't seem to, there just seems to be a bit of a, a disconnection at the moment in the team. Uh, and Rangers are coming into it in really good form, but I, ju- I just think it'll be a draw. I just, I can't see past a draw. It's sitting on the fence, but I'm going to say one one. Um, and I think it'll be all to play for. I still win the title race after this match. Um, I don't see, uh. Any decision making in terms of who's going to win the title after this, but I, I definitely think there'll be still a lot more to talk about in terms of the title race uh, after this match gets played. So I'm going to going to sit there and say one one. In terms of other things, Tom as well, mate. Um, you've got obviously Celtic with good injury boost news in terms of you've got Rio Tati and Leo Bada back in the squad, um, and obviously key injuries to. Rangers as well I think they've been missing John Lundstrom, which for me, he's one of the standout players since Philip Clontz came in because under, under Michael Bailey was kind of thrown to the side towards the end, but I think he was a mainstay. Then obviously suffered a bad injury a couple of weeks ago, so I think the midfield battle is always key in these games. Um, But I think obviously if you have... If you win the midfield battle, that's half the battle in terms of one. It's like basically like one in a war. Um, but I think obviously they've been playing Dujon Sterling, um, who's naturally a defensive fullback playing midfield alongside uh, Cifuentes and Todd Cantwell just in behind the strikers. Um, so I think that's a, a battle in terms of you've got obviously Matt O'Reilly um, and Callum McGregor up against probably Dujon Sterling and Justice Fuentes and that's going to be a, a key battle and I think whoever comes out on that in the first 5-10 minutes 
that usually kind of shows you what way the result's going to go in terms of the match. And I think that'll be a key battle. Um, and I think it'll be an interesting battle. But I think, obviously, playing a, a player-out position in, in the midfield and, obviously, with experience. I think experience is crucial in these games as well. Because, like you said, um, this is Fleet Comont's first old-firm game in terms of first Glasgow derby match. Like, this is a baptism of fire. Like, he'll always won a trophy. Um, it's going rosy. Um, I don't. I don't think he's lost a match yet as Rangers manager. Um, I think this is the pinnacle. This is like the this is the the ferocious most ferocious match ever in be in charge of anywhere in his career. And I think he's set for sixty thousand fans just shouting abuse at him and <laughs> wanting his team to lose. So he's got to, he's got to deal with that pressure. Uh, and I don't think he would handle much more pressure than this game as well because I think if they win the match Rangers then game one in terms of the title race then they've, they've pulled away from Celtic and they've got themselves a wee a nice cushion getting into the winter break Yeah he's definitely going to realise what kind of you know club and clubs that he stepped into once uh, this match kicks off uh, but you're totally right in terms of like uh, matchups and stuff um, in terms of injuries as well I think Rangers are missing quite a couple of attacking players as well in terms of Danilo. It's quite a big miss for them. Um, so uh, it's it's definitely. I mean, I I I I'd say that this is probably the most even the sides have been in quite a while in terms of going into this match. You know, I can't remember a match where, I mean, Celtic the last couple of seasons have been pretty far ahead of Rangers in terms of quality in terms of, um, you know. The way they're playing and stuff, but th- this time, I, 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 there doesn't seem to be much splitting them. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's a really tight that this is going to be a really tight match, um, and it's really exciting because I like these type of matches when you go into them and you don't you can't really call it. Um, so no, I'm really really looking forward to it, and we'll discuss it uh, next week on the podcast and see how the match kind of fared. Um, so this is obviously. The, the last podcast of 2023. Uh, so I just want to ask you, Pierce, what's your best moment, your best footballer moment of 2023 now that we're coming to the, the end of the year? I've got a few. Um, I think probably one of the standout for me has got to be um, Harry Kane getting his, finally getting his move away from Tottenham. Um, I think he thoroughly deserved it. And I think it was, it was, a, it was a chance for him to go and win trophies and take his game to a whole new level. And, we didn't know what was going to happen with Tottenham. Um, would he stay? Would he go? And I think he said before the season he he was going to leave before the first the first Premier League game of the season, and that's how it turned out. And he hasn't looked back since. I think he's been in sensational form, and he's he's on course to beating um, Lewandowski's record of uh, forty one league goals in a Bundesliga season. And I think he's already got twenty one. So I think he's halfway there, and that's then finished up for the winter break and. They're in for a serious title race this season in terms of Bayer Leverkusen. I think they've been a standout in terms of the Bundesliga. Um, but no, for me, Harry Kane. What, what, what do you think about that then, Tom? About Harry Kane going to Bayern? Uh, I yeah, no, that's definitely for me the, the biggest transfer of the of the the year. You know, um, I never expected it before the summer window kind of opened. I never expected Harry Kane. I didn't even expect him to leave. And the fact that he left, he, the fact he's England captain and he leaves to go to Germany. Um, you know, is it's quite a big moment. Um, you know, definitely a big move. Uh, the big, definitely for me, the biggest transfer. Um, you know, of the summer. You know, 
we've also had the introduction of Saudi Arabia kind of buying big international players as well. So that's been something that's been quite a big moment in 2023 in terms of transfer news. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of that, more of that in 2024 in terms of big players moving to Saudi Arabia. Um, but, but yeah, but Harry, but, uh, go back to Harry Kane. That, 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 for me, that definitely was um, the biggest transfer of 2023. Um, and, you know, he's loving up to it because, I mean, he's in hot form at the moment and he's banging in the goals for Bayern Munich. And, you know, he's he's definitely uh, money well spent. Did you have any else, Pierce? Have you got another? Yeah, um, well, it's, it's, got be, it's got to be Scotland uh, qualifying for Euro 2024. Yeah, I was, yeah, that's got to be a highlight for me, and obviously some memorable results along the way, beating Spain and uh, at Hamden two 0 and then obviously the the late win in uh, Oslo against Norway. So I think that for me, it's got to be a standout, securing back to back Euro qualifications and um, being top seeds for the Nations League for the, the next World Cup campaign. So I think that's got to be. Um, all credit to Steve Clark in Scotland and for me the future's bright for Scotland and it's getting me so excited for next summer in uh, Germany and that opening game where Scotland will um, play against the host nation and in the group itself I think Scotland have got a phenomenal chance and I'm really excited and obviously I just hope all this, the key Scottish players stay fit in terms of Andy Robertson, Kieran Tierney, John McGinn, Scott McTominay, all your key men that are going to be the heartbeat of the side um, to give us the best possible chance to get out of that uh, out of the group and uh, into the knockout stage and see where the journey can take us. Yeah, no, that's for me. That's my biggest moment. The big moment of twenty twenty three, Scotland qualifying for the Euros because me and you have never seen Scotland qualify outright from a from a from a um, from a group stage, and it was just the results that that were um yeah you know that they, they pulled out you know that as you said the Oslo match. In Norway away where they won the last minute. You know, Spain at Hamden, which was I mean, that's one that what a night that was. Um just it, it was just a brilliant, brilliant year for Scotland, the national team. Uh, you know, every time we're coming to this podcast, you know, we only started this podcast uh in the, the middle of 2023. So we got to see basically the majority of Scotland getting to next year's Euros. So we've talked about that a lot. About the, the big performances that they've pulled in, that 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 you know that they've kind of uh, put in. So it's just been it's just been a brilliant year in terms for the national team. Um, by far my biggest moment twenty twenty three. Nothing really comes close. Uh, and yeah, yeah, just brilliant. You got anything else that you can think of? Yeah. Um. Also, um, massive news in terms of like Asian football in terms of like. J League being added to football manager, which is obviously a, a game that I play uh, daily and I love it in terms of the J League as well, getting more exposure in terms of the European world. Um, because obviously we've seen in recent times in terms of Scottish football, uh, with Celtic and Hearts, especially they've um, signed players from the J League themselves in terms of Rio Tati, Kugel Farahashi, Dyson Maida, um, and you've got Oda um, at Hearts as well. And uh, to name a few, um, but no, in terms of obviously at Matoma in the Premier League as well, ripping up for Brighton. So all these players have came from the J League, and there's always it's a league that I watch as well quite closely, um, and all the matches are free to watch on YouTube as well. So it's for the J League, um, and I think it's a fantastic league, and some fantastic players, and it's just a f- fantastic um 
bit of business in terms of football managers securing the rights for that league because it's it's another league where you can just find some hidden gems. Yeah, it's definitely in terms of just following up on that, it's definitely something that you know, that example that you just you just said, you know, things like that are just showing that Asian football is growing year after year. You know, um you know, as you said, you mentioned the players that are now playing in the big leagues in the world, uh, you know, like Matoma. So it's just things like that are just showing that Asian football is progressing year after year. Um, you know, and it's it's going to become a point where you know, Asian football is going to be, you know, quite a big, big footballing nation in terms of a lot of people watching it. Because I think the view, the viewership are growing year on year as well. So really exciting times for Asian football and, and obviously things like that, when they're now playing on Football Manager, you know, that's quite a big milestone as well. And so, yeah, uh, just but there's just so many moments. Um, yeah. There's just so many moments. Uh, but definitely for me, like my, my biggest moments Scotland qualifying for Euros. I just thought I just thought it was a brilliant year. Um, and I love watching it and um, watching the journey and I can't wait until next summer and you know, me and you discussing it on the podcast about how Scotland are fitting in the Euros, you know, it's gonna be so I'll be, exciting. I'll be sober, you'll be pushed. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, uh yeah, oh, it's it's gonna be brilliant. Um, and it's been such a great year in terms of football as well. Um, you know, a really, really good year. And yeah, we're on 2024. Um, you know, it's going to be really exciting. And our kind of crazy, crazy year of football, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, so for the final part of the show, Pierce Monday gives his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so um, Celtic have started their January sales early with uh, Japanese champions Vassil Kobe agreeing an £870,000 deal to sign forgotten on-loan midfielder Yusuke Idaguchi. Um, the 27-year-old was at the centre of a battle between Vassil Kobe and his current loan club of East Fafakoka, um, who Idaguchi helped win the Japanese League, club, uh, League Cup this season. Uh, Vassil Kobe have won the battle after agreeing a fee with last season's table winner Celtic. Um, the player will officially sign on the 15th of January when the G-League transfer window opens. The Jap- Japanese international midfielder returned to his homeland earlier this year after a frustrating spell in Glasgow. Um, he suffered an ankle break in one of his first games back in March, but recovered quickly and was nominated for Player of the Year for his performances in the G-League 1. Um, Kobe needed a replacement in midfield after Mitsuki Saito suffered a long-term injury. Uh, and Kobe also see Idaguchi as a long-term successor for captain and Japanese international Hutaro Yamaguchi, who is now 34 years old. Uh, Celtic will make a small profit on the £850,000 investment they paid to Gamble Saka back in 2022. So, um, Shinsuke Mito has signed for Sparta Rotterdam in the Everdeezy for an undisclosed fee. Mito, 21, had a stellar campaign in the G League 1 uh, with Alberts Nagata, and was rightly so, uh, won the Best Young Player Award for 2023 at the G League 1 Awards. A small, attacking, diminutive midfielder, and at just 21 years old, I expect him to take Holland by storm. So Kang and Lee and Takafuso Kubo, two rising stars in Asia for their respective countries in South Korea and Japan. Um, Lee and Kubo first crossed paths back in 2013 when Kubo was in the Barcelona's academy and Kang and Lee was in Valencia's academy. And 10 years later, they will now cross paths again 
in the knockout stages of, of the UEFA Champions League. It's a truly incredible journey uh, of both attacking talents of the Asian culture. So, Vent Fore Kufo, rookie Soto Mura, uh, has been called up for the Samurai Blue uh, Japan squad uh, for New Year's Day friendly against Thailand. Certainly a rare occasion for a J League 2 player to be get a call up for a national team. Um, only other occasions I can recall is Koki Ogawa back in 2019 and Wataru Endo, now of Liverpool, back in 2013. So following the board meeting held on Tuesday, December 19th, um, the G League has decided to implement a seasonal transition from the 2026-27 season and to consider any remaining issues related to the matter. So the 2026-27 season will begin approximately the first week of August 2026, with a winter break then held from around the second week of December until around the third week of February 2027. The season will then conclude the final week of May 2027. So Serbia, Serbian manager Ranko Popovic has accepted the role as manager of G League one side Kashi Mantlers. Um, the former Buriram United manager brings extensive coaching experience from well-known teams in the G League one, including Cerezo Osaka, SC Tokyo, Oito Trinita and F newly promoted side FC Machida Zelvia. And obviously, breaking news as well in terms of the G League One 2024-25 season. Uh, we now have the release fixtures of the the opening day. So all matches will be played on Saturday, the 24th of February, um, 2024. And those matches are Avispa Fukuoka up against Hoikudo, Considol Sapporo, Cerezo Osaka against FC Tokyo. Newly promoted side Jubilo Awata will play against or have host the reigning champions for Sel Kobe, which you couldn't ask for a tougher task. Uh, Kawashi Arisal, um host uh, Kyoto Sanga FC. And then newly promoted side FC Machida Zelvia uh, will also host um, Gambo Saka. Lugo Grampus against Kashimantlers. Sagan Tuso versus Alberts Nagata. Sanfrechi Hiroshima versus Uare Diamonds. Shona Belmer versus Kawasaki Frontali. And the third newly promoted side is Tokyo Verde versus Yokohama F Marinos. So in terms of the three promoted side, I think they've got very tough tasks, but all got home matches. So that'll be a fantastic achievement for them to host such big teams uh, on the return to the G League One. Um, and that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Chigu podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Chuggy YouTube channel and also the Football Chuggy website. Thanks for listening to us this year. Um, and, uh, we only started this podcast at the start of the year, but uh, it's kind of flown by. So just just to, think, just to sign off, uh, thanks for uh, listening in 2023 and see you soon. Yep, see you soon. Stay tuned for more content coming your way.